This is the Patriot Cause with Bud Cornwell, United States Marine Corps retired. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. This year will mark the 150th anniversary of when my great, great, great grandfather came to America and he got on a ship in Liverpool, England. Now, he is from Dublin, Ireland, and he was in his 20s. And he was escaping the Irish potato famine at the time. Dreaded place to live in Ireland because of the famine that was happening during that time frame. And my great-great-grandfather decided I'm going to come to America. So he paid his price, whatever it was, to get on a ship from England to America. What was going on in 1852 when my great-great-grandfather came to America? Many things, but these are a couple of things I want to bring out. Number one, the Studebaker Brothers Wagon Company was created. So this was a company created in America during that time frame. Keep in mind, I'm going to talk about that a little bit later when I say in America in 1852. Also, the first experimental steam engine came to life in 1852. So what am I saying? Gunny, what in the world are you talking about? Everybody has a past. Everybody has a great-great-grandfather. So why are you talking about a steam engine and a Studebaker wagon? During that time frame in America, the United States federal government was nowhere to be seen in the states. And people could create companies and make a living without all this regulation by the government. If you could produce something and you could sell it, you could make a living. That's how America was when my great, great, great grandfather, which by the, by the way, his name is Patrick Cornwell. If that's not Irish, then I'm not green. I'm a Marine, and therefore I'm green. And I'm Irish. So that was his name. And he came to America thinking in his mind 
that there's a better life. There's a better way to live than being in Ireland at the time. Little did he know when he got on that ship that America was everything that he was told about and even more because he produced a great family down the line. Cornwell Tools is from Patrick Cornwell. He didn't produce the company, but he produced the siblings that produced that company. And he also produced me down the line. So the Cornwell family became very productive in the United States. So what I want to do today is give you an, an example of how things have changed and how the government has come into every aspects of our life, how it is deemed to control everything that we do because of the tyranny and the power of politicians. This did not exist 150 years ago. The sole purpose of the government was to protect the United States as far as defense and ensure proper trade between countries and provide law and order. That's all they were supposed to do according to the Constitution. But now they do much, much more. So we're going to start off this podcast with about a seven-minute clip. It's a long clip, but it's worth listening to. Dennis Prager came here in the mid-70s, and he explains in detail how the government controls or wants to control everything that we do. And even the politicians in the states are part of this government bureaucracy. Take a good listen to Dennis Prager. The governor of Arkansas was on Tucker Carlson last night. This is painful for me to say, but I've never encountered the man. He's a Republican, but he seemed to be devoid of the ability to think clearly in, in, in a way that was shocking. They passed a bill in Arkansas, which he vetoed. The Republicans dominate the, the, the state house, house, like whatever it is, the assembly and representatives or state senators, whatever it is. And they passed a law that children cannot undergo what's called chemical castration, puberty blockers, have their breasts cut off if they say, if it's a girl who says that she's a boy, etc., cetera, uh, who are underage. Right? You can't get a beer if you're under 18, but you can cut your breasts off. You can take uh, testosterone and get facial hair if you start out a girl. That That's fine. And I, I presume uh, uh, other forms of what they call chemical castration. Things that permanently alter your ability to function normally in many cases, such as sterilization as a result of the 
hormones. So he vetoed it, but he said to Tucker Carlson, Sean, if you could find that, it would be a treasure. It, it would be... Now, not I, a, I think of you as a conservative. Here you've come out publicly as pro-choice on the question of chemical castration of children. What changed? Well, first of all, uh, your teaser, as you led into this program, did not accurately represent the bill. If this had been a bill that simply prohibited chemical castration, I would have signed the bill. But, Tucker, as you know, this bill was overbroad, it was extreme, and went far beyond what you just said. And I made it clear that this, if this was about prohibiting uh, procedures, uh, sex reassignment surgery, absolutely, I would have signed that bill. But this, again, is the first law in the nation that uh, invokes uh, the state between uh, medical decisions, parents who consent to okay. that. Okay. Now, wait, wait, wait. very important. The man 100% contradicts what he just said in the opening. Tucker is terrific. I wish he had picked up on it. He didn't. This drove me crazy. Crazy. I have a logic meter built into my brain, and when pure, undiluted illogic confronts me, and it is not pointed out, it it sounds like a violinist who who is playing the wrong notes. Now listen to what he said. He said, if the bill had prohibited any of the sex reassignment procedures, correct? Am I, am I, I, this is the third time I'm hearing it. If this had been a bill that simply prohibited chemical castration, I would have signed the bill. Right, okay. So, so either he's lying or he doesn't think clearly. I don't know which it is. It doesn't matter. But... What Then he says, ah, but the reason I'm opposing it is that it's the first bill in the nation to put the government between parents, doctors, and, and the patient. But, Tucker, as you know, this bill was overbroad, it was extreme, it went far beyond what you just said. And I made it clear that this, if this was about prohibiting uh, procedures, uh, sex reassignment surgery, absolutely, I would have signed that bill. But this, again, is the first law in the nation that uh, invokes uh, the state between uh, medical decisions, parents who consent to that, and uh, the decision of the patient. And so this goes way too far. Okay, okay, but he just said he would sign the bill if it blocked all sex reassignment. Isn't that putting the government between the patient and, and, and the, put it, the patient and the doctor? What he said was 100% untrue. I'm not accusing him of being a liar. I don't think, I, I, I don't know what he is. He's self-deceptive. Self he wouldn't have signed it. It's just not true because that means that the government is getting in the way. But the government gets in the way of a kid being able to vote. The government gets in the way of a kid getting a tattoo. The government gets in the way of a kid getting... Uh, uh, alcohol certainly tobacco straws well that's for all ages the uh, <laughs> the, the state of Arkansas all the states don't allow a kid to get a cigarette or a cigar but they can take hormone blockers 
or get their breasts cut off if the parents say fine. Oh, oh, by the way, if only one parent says fine, the other parent is called a hater. My God. This was the stupidest interview I, I recall in the recent past. Oh, oh, Tucker, I would have signed it in a moment if it blocked sex reassignment procedures. But I didn't sign it because I don't want to get the government in the way. But that's the government in the way. You just said you would sign it. I don't know how these people get elected. I, 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 that, that senator from Hawaii, the woman, whatever her name is, Maisie, how, did, how does she get elected? If I took 100 Americans, I, I would find more common sense and intelligence than in many of our elected officials. 1-8 Prager 776. The Dennis Prager Show. I have met this man personally because I lived in Arkansas when he got elected governor, and I was part of Curtis Coleman's campaign to try to defeat Asa Hutchinson. Curtis Coleman is just a basic businessman in Arkansas. He is not a politician, never has been a politician, but we always thought he had a good opportunity to become the governor of Arkansas. But little do we know that politicians in the Democrat and Republican parties have lots of money and they can defeat any individual that wants to come in and do right for America. But you can tell that this individual is big government because he's proved it over and over again. He doesn't care about the little guy and the states and conservative values. If he did, he wouldn't be saying the things that he did. So I want to bring up to you something from a organization called CNS News. And Mark Levin was interviewed on there. And he was asked questions, and that question was, what are the three top responsibilities of the federal government? And this is his response. Well, what then are the three top responsibilities, let's say, of the federal government? I agree with him. Donald Trump, one of them, is security. National security, national defense. Really, only the federal government has the wherewithal, you know, to fight wars, and to secure the entirety of the United States. One state or another cannot do it on its own. That is understood. It's always been understood. So the federal government has a responsibility to protect the United States. That's a big responsibility. Well, what else is the responsibility of the federal government? And Mark Levin says, well, look at the Constitution. The other two responsibilities, there are many, but two of the most important responsibility is to secure individual liberty. That's why we have an entire Bill of Rights to secure individual liberty. That's why the government is broken into three pieces. That's why the states are supposed to have 
plenary power. And the federal government is supposed to have specific power and powers broken between Congress, the courts, and the presidency. So what he's saying is no tyranny, no branch of the government has the right for tyranny. Going to get to that later. So that's the second point, individual liberty, which, by the way, my great-great-great-grandfather had from the day he stepped on the soil in America. His life was determined by him, not by the federal government. So what's the third one? Justice, order, order, and justice. That's what their job is. That's part of a civil society. You can't have anarchy across a country. You can't have mobocracy or society can't last. Or we're just a jungle. So you can't have all of these pockets of people just doing whatever the hell they want to do. Because it's anarchy. There's got to be structure. It's called law and order. Abide by the laws, and therefore you have order. This is what Mark's talking about. Their job in this country is to uphold the law of the country. Don't need to say any more about that. So these are the three pillars of society and our governing system. Absolutely. And if I'm not correct, which I'm pretty sure I am because I'm a gunny, the gunny's always correct, the government is not following any one of those three. Instead of protecting America in security, national security, they have massive wars to go fight the world. Nobody's attacking us, but they go fight the world. 9-11 exceptions. Pearl Harbor, exceptions. We understand that. There's always exceptions. Bill of Rights. They're trying to tear that down every single day. You either have a right to own a gun or you don't. There's no in-between. They're saying you have a right to own a gun if you do X. If you register your gun. If you do this. If you don't have these big magazines. Then you have that bill of rights. You have that individual right. Wrong. I have that right whether you tell me or not. I still have that right. And I'm going to still say that the government has absolutely no precedence on those rights unless you eliminate the Bill of Rights. Order and justice. How many times have we said over and over again, that the Supreme Court is corrupted to the bone. And instead of taking care of the constitutional rights of Americans, they develop their own laws, which the Constitution prevents them from doing. Roe versus Wade was never a law voted in the House or the Senate. Therefore, it is not a law. It's something that the judicial system created. 
Now we're living in a country of tyranny and dictatorship. I'm going to explain to you why. The federal government is broken, and the president is now using executive orders to go against the grain of the other political party. When did the people get left out of all of these decisions? When these political parties gained all this power. Doesn't matter which side of the fence you're on. The political parties don't care about you and your rights. They're care, they care about them and how they can progress up the ladder and make millions and millions of dollars. I, I, look, I'm not going to have the argument whether or not it's Democrat or Republican. There is no argument. It's politicians today. Back in the day, if a politician didn't do the things to protect the Bill of Rights, protect individuals in their states, they were gone. Today, they have the power to buy the votes. I'm going to leave it at that. So executive orders. So what is an executive order? Does the president have the right to do executive orders? Yes. Even George Washington did executive orders. But it was far and few between throughout 200 plus years in this country. It's not something the president used very lightly at all. But now it seems like you just sign a piece of paper and you change the whole rule of law in America and it doesn't go through the justice system and it doesn't go through the Senate and the House. So listen to this. This is from History.com on executive orders. Recent presidents have taken this practice to new heights. In January 2017, Donald Trump set a new record for the number of executive actions issued by a new president in his first week. With 14 or more preceding Barack Obama. He had 13 in January of 2009, including six executive orders. President Joe Biden has surpassed that record during his first two weeks in office, signing over 30 executive orders. 30 in just two weeks. Pure 100% tyranny. And I hope every single state refuses to abide by any, on, any of them. Just like laws, executive orders are subject to legal review. And the Supreme Court or lower federal courts can nullify or cancel an executive order if they determine it is unconstitutional. How many times has that happened? Tell me. I'm sitting here waiting. You probably count on one hand when an executive order was overturned by the Supreme Court. Similarly, Congress can actually revoke an executive order by passing new legislation. These are examples of the checks and balances built in the system of the U.S. government to ensure that no one branch executive legislation or judicial becomes too powerful. That statement, you might as well just throw it out because it's not happening today. They're not working together. These three branches don't care. And the president has the biggest power of all 
and every person in the government today. He has the largest concentration of power today because of these executive orders and nobody pushing back on it. So think about it. If he's got all this power, then he can do pretty much what he wants to do. And thus brings me to President Biden's infrastructure plan. If you haven't read it, you need to go read it or at least listen to somebody that can explain it to you. And I'm going to play a clip. I think it's from CNBC, which I don't like this, but I'm going to play it so you can get the understanding of what this infrastructure plan could mean for the U.S. economy. Take a listen to this. The two and a quarter trillion dollar Biden spending plan would introduce a profound change to the U.S. economy. It would reverse a four decade long decline in government investment that began in the Reagan years. Here's the graph to look at. Government investment in the economy has fallen steadily from above 1% of the economy uh, back in the 1980s uh, to around seven-tenths of a percent now. It's been kind of stagnant. It only pops briefly with spending bills after recessions. President Biden highlighted this decline in his speech yesterday. We've fallen back. The rest of the world is closing in and closing in fast. We can't allow this to continue. American Jobs Plan is the biggest increase in our federal non-defense research and development spending on record. Daniel Jurgen, whose book Commanding Heights chronicled the way economic leadership swings back and forth between companies or the private sector and government, told me yesterday, quote, the frontier between government and the private sector is never fixed and it's always shifting. Biden certainly is pushing out the boundary of government again in relation to the economy. Several economists worried that the amount of spending on top of the recent $1.9 trillion stimulus bill and the recovering economy would crowd out private investment. John Riding from Breen Capital says, we're going to have crowding out. That's what happens with an economy that gets to full capacity and then you demand more from it. Still, analysts at the Penn Wharton budget model tell me that the spending will raise the level of wages by 0.2% over a 10-year period and GDP by 0.3%. That's the level, but reduce capital spending overall by 0.1%. Now, a 2016 study from the Congressional Budget Office estimates a 5% return on productive government investment. It returns 5%. But the debate's already begun about how much of the spending in this bill, with its expanded definition of infrastructure, will end up being productive. I spent 20 years in the Marine Corps and another seven years as a government employee in this country. And when you're talking about productive government spending, let me give you an example of what I've seen and why I am no longer part of the federal government. The organization that I worked for even mentioned and they said this out loud, that less than 50% of the projects that they were doing were actually accomplished and completed. Less than 50%. That means half of all the money that they spent was wasted on projects. So you're going to sit here and tell me that the federal government and this $2 trillion infrastructure plan is going to solve all our problems. The reason that this man is talking about the government 
injection of money into the economy. After Reagan took over, he reduced the spending in America and allowed private companies and capitalism to grow. And the capitalism is what grew the economy, not the government. But this is not how these leftist people think. They think the government is the one that has to increase the economy in their country. Absolutely wrong. The reason it was so low for so long is because politicians understood that. And we ensured that budgets were met in the time frame. Bill Clinton actually balanced the budget in America in the 90s. Think about that. Bill Clinton, the only president that's done it in a very long time. We actually had a surplus of federal funds during his time frame. And that has drastically been reduced over time. And when Obama came in, it became a million times worse. And now we're facing a crisis beyond any means because we have companies that no longer want to do business in America. They want to live here. They want to have the individual freedoms, but they want their products to be produced somewhere else because it's cheaper and then they can get and become the billionaires that they are. Globalism. And now we got a president that wants to tax and increase taxes on everybody so that he thinks it's going to cause the economy to get better. The best way the economy in this country can get better is to face the big corporations and say, you got a choice. You hire American, you make it in America, or you get the hell out. It's time for Americans to stand up and understand these things. The infrastructure plan that he's fixing to put together is going to drain this country like no other plan has ever done before because there's a very small amount of it that's actually going to fix the roads and the things that we need. The rest of it goes to the liberals and the leftists big companies and their green environment and their blindness to the American people. That's how simple this is. I ask you to share the podcast far and wide. If you get a chance and you haven't told somebody about convincing the states where we can try very hard to bring the states together and control this federal government, please do so. ConventionOfStates.com. Go sign a petition so your legislator will know that you're part of the Convention of States. Stand up, show up, and speak up. This is the Gunny Out.